Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're very welcome along to the Time Out Podcast, episode 27. And it gives me great pleasure today and a great honour as well uh, to introduce my guest as uh, a man who went into the 1986 World Snooker Championship as a 150 to 1 outsider. And he stunned the world when uh, he beat the, the legendary Steve Davis uh, in the final. And uh, this guest today of mine has written his name into snooker folklore with that result. And uh, certainly a much-loved man on the snooker circuit for years. And his name is Mr. Joe Johnson. Joe, you're very welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, gr- great to speak with you, Joe. And... Uh, I suppose just to touch on last night's results, Joe, you were, you were playing in the in the World Senior Snooker Championship and uh, you didn't have the result you wanted against Jimmy. No, no, I mean, uh, Jimmy played extremely well, but I was I was slightly below par. I missed a couple of easy shots that normally I would get, but, you know, um, I can't take anything away from Jimmy because he played superbly. He had four big breaks, I think four big breaks over... 60, had a 90, you know, he played really well, so can't take anything away from him, he, you know, deserved his win. It's funny, you know, when I was watching it, Joe, I was thinking to myself, when you took the first frame, it was a, a sort of a, a scrappy frame, but I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, you know, if the, if the match went that kind of way, it probably would have suited you more so. Yeah, absolutely, because I, I certainly don't score like I used to do, you know, I'm 10 years older than Jimmy, and, you know, my eyes are not like they used to be, but... You know, I still enjoy the game, you know, and I enjoyed going out at the Crucible, walking out at the Crucible, one table set up. It, it was really quite emotional, really. It was really good. Yeah, spe- brings back special memories, uh, Joe, to you, yeah. n- no doubt, when you when you consider the, the, the 1986, of course, was the year when you when you ho- hoisted aloft the, as I say, mm-hmm. the, the, the tournament itself, the cup, the, the Silver Lady, as it's called, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah! Gorgeous trophy. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was something special. Yeah, it was a, a really special moment for you because, as I say, you came through as a one hundred and fifty to one outsider. And uh, just to reflect on that tournament, uh, I was doing some re- reflection on it last night. Dennis Taylor, of course, uh, himself and Steve Davis were in that memorable final in eighty five. Yeah, but, uh, a lot of people might not know it, but Dennis went out in the very first round in that. Uh, the year you won it, he went out to, to Mike Hallett. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, that's it. It's a bit like fate, really, because I'd never beaten Dennis Taylor. And um, when Mike Hallett beat him, I, I always had good results against Mike Hallett. So it was really fortunate for me that Dennis went out. No disrespect to Dennis, because I love him to bits, but I was pleased that he went out because he'd always beaten me, Dennis. Yeah, so you were you kind of went into the, the game against Mike Hallett in a better kind of feeling. No, oh, yeah, better frame of mind completely because, as I say, you know, we we'd, I'd beaten him sometimes, he'd beaten me sometimes, so I knew that um, it was possible to beat him. Whereas I'd never beaten Dennis Taylor, so that was a real boat for me. You know, a real stroke of luck, if you like, that he, he got beat. That me that does play a part too, you know. Past results against um, opponents, it does, oh, of course, it does play a big part in your head, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. I mean, that that year you're talking about in '86, um, I'd lost in the first round of the Crucible at the Crucible for the four, four years previous or five years previous to yes. that. I'd, ne- I'd never won a match at the Crucible, 
And but that year that I was there, I was there as a top sixteen seed. I'd got into the top sixteen, so I was waiting for a qualifier. I see what you mean. Rather, rather than qualifying and playing one of the top seeds. It made the draw so, a wee yeah, bit more favourable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't forget, the qualifiers aren't like the top 16 players. So, you know, you've got more chance against them than you have against one of the top 16 players. And then, fortunately, Mike Allett beat Dennis Taylor. So I was playing another guy in the last 16 that wasn't a top 16 player, if you like. So, you know, that got me to... Yeah. yeah, that got me to the quarterfinals against another man. I'd never beaten Terry Griffiths. I'd never beaten Terry. And all the time that we played each other, they beat me in the English amateur final um, in Blackpool. You know, that that, that's, uh, that hurt as well because it was a Welshman beating me in the English championship. Yes. No, no doubt, because there's such a rivalry between uh, sort of Wales and England yeah. in, in every sport. Yeah. But um, that was a, a massive win for you to, to sort of... Get the monkey off your back in such a big tournament against Terry. It must have been a great feeling yeah. for you, Joe. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, it's funny how it went that much because I was leaving the first session, two, first two sessions, uh, 9-7. Yes. So I was feeling pretty comfortable going into the final session. I was leaving 9-7. And uh, then from somewhere, I don't know what happened, but he won five frames on the trot yes. to, to be leading 12-9. So and, you, you, uh, you know, I, I, I thought, here we go again. You know, he's, he's done me again. And then somehow I, I, I just got inspired. I don't know why, but I just got inspired and I made uh, a couple of centuries and another big break uh, and won the next four frames in four or five minutes. Well, so. yeah, I think it's a case almost, Joe, as if uh, maybe you were resigned to the fact that you were going to lose. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And it relaxed me, yeah, that's. Quite yeah. possible. Yeah. We've seen that in many sports uh, down to the years where um, a player, it, it sort of means so much that when it gets to the to point of no return, that's when the the, yeah. the arm freezes, like uh, the, the shackles are off, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think I was helped by Terry as well because I remember him when he was leaving 12-9 and he had the green off its spot and he was screwing back for the reds and he wobbled the green, he missed the green. Yes, and that that was kind of like what you were just talking about there. That he just maybe froze on that one shot, and that was enough for me because you know I I, I went on to win the next four frames in record time. Yes, and uh, so he, he had me. He had me without a doubt. He had me, and it was down to him that he didn't beat me. But um, you know, fate's a, a funny thing, isn't it? You know, if I if I hadn't have won that match in the fashion that I had. You know, I played Tony Knowles in the semi-finals and Davis in the final, and I'd beaten both of those players before at that time. So I was, you know, I was quite comfortable. And I wasn't playing the players that had always beaten me in Dennis Taylor and Terry Griffiths. I was quite happy to be playing Tony Knowles and well, Steve. Well, I suppose once you got that result against Terry, it was such a relief to you that you are almost in yeah. bonus territory. You know, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you, you were uh, you showed what you're fit to do, and uh, of course, uh, do you have any? Before I touch on the actual final against Steve Davis, uh, Joe, do you have any idea what was number one in the UK charts the, the week, week that you beat Steve? Um, I have no idea whatsoever. Yeah, well, it's, it's a band called a group called Falcao and Rock Me Amadeus. 
Yeah, that was number one in the. I just thought I would put that to you as a little. That was number one <laughs> at, at number one in the charts, and uh, of of course that final against um, Steve. You're in against a, a, a sort of an icon of the game who the previous year had lost in what remains today as the most memorable crucible final against Dennis Taylor. But you went into that final. Uh, as a complete underdog, and uh, you, you showed again because it wasn't a, a close run thing. You, you, you won quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, not a lot of people know that um, I'd never played Steve Davis as a professional. I'd been a professional six years and never played him. But we played money matches as amateurs. Uh, he'd come up to Leeds to, to play a money match at Northern Snooker Centre with me, and I beat him quite comfortably. and then he, he made a return visit and I beat him quite comfortably again. So the, the last time, two times that I'd played Steve Davis, um, I, I'd beaten him quite comfortably. So he didn't hold the same fear for me that he held for other players. And I'm sure he had that in his mind that, you know, the last time we played, it, I'd beaten him. Um, it makes, it does make a difference that, you know. It does. I I always I always think that you know if you've always beaten a player it's it's, it's kind of like you know you, you're halfway there you believe that you can win type of thing. Well, it it gives you a good feeling and you know you've got that psychological edge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so he, he, although it was he was the greatest player who'd ever lived at that time, it, you know, he's he, he did he didn't hold that fear that. Over me that he had over other people, if you know what I mean. No, you went into it in a, in a comfortable mindset, and yeah, of, yeah, that's right. Of course, lifting that world championship in '86, Joe, when you went on to win eighteen twelve against Steve, that uh, as you say last night when you walked down the steps of the Crucible in the seniors against Jimmy, it must make yeah. you feel very proud of what you what you've done in your career when you look back on that moment. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and to play somebody like Jimmy at the Crucible is, is special as well. You know, and we went out afterwards, me and Jimmy, and, uh, you know, we had a, a good chat about it all. And, um, you know, he's a great guy, Jimmy White, really is, you know, a gentleman through and through and a great sportsman. You know, I, I beat him in the Seniors Masters last year. Yes. And, you know, he, he, he just, uh, he, he said to me afterwards, God bless you, pal. You, yeah. know, <laughs> you know, he's a lovely, lovely guy. And, you know, I, if, if ever you are you going to lose to anybody, then, Somebody like Jimmy is, 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 is eases the pain. Well, I think I think Jimmy personally, I think it's a terrible shame that Jimmy hasn't won the world championship in snooker. Considering, oh, considering the talent that, yeah. they, that he has, Joe. Ah, oh, absolutely. You know, six times in the final. You know, and he, he was leading Henry fourteen eight one year. That's right. You know, it, yeah. So it, it, for him not to have won it, it it just it didn't seem fair somehow. Well, I think if he would have won. One, he probably would have went on to one, two or three. Yeah, you're probably right. And uh, what comes to mind is that special 69 break by Alex Higgins when uh, he played Jimmy in 82, I think it was. Yes. Um, he, he, he produced a break, Alex produced a break that is still unbelievable down to this day. I remember it. It's probably one of the best breaks I've ever seen. And that denied Jimmy White for getting to the final where he would have played Ray Raiden. And I'm not saying that he would definitely have beaten Ray Raiden because he was a great player. Yes. He was a really great player, Ray. But, he, you know, he would have had a chance of beating Ray Raiden. Had he beaten Ray and won the World Championship, then 
it may have won, you know, four or five. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think there's much question on that. But when you when you in the sense of when you steady his talent with the way that he's able to. The way that he, when he gets amongst the balls, even last night he showed glimpses against yourself. Uh, his his break yeah. his break building was quite was quite high, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, you know, he he, he had a, a sticky first frame where it was a, a safety battle, and he even had a chance to win that one. Actually, you know, he missed the blue, uh, and I pointed a good blue and a good pink, and uh, I won the first frame. But you know, after that, then the real Jimmy White showed up and he played yeah. fantastic. That's right. That blue actually, now to come to mention it, because I was watching it, um, he seemed to signify that it was it a kick or something he got because he, he pointed towards the, the blue, actually, or the white. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't say it. All I saw was, you know, he missed the blue. So. Yeah, I think he forced it. To, I, I, to you couldn't, yeah. yeah, you couldn't get me to the table fast enough. No, no. It, <laughs> and you, you must say you took a, you, you finished, I think you took the blue to the top and the pink to the middle. Yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was a, a very well uh, clenched out frame, but uh, no, it's great to see the seniors uh, playing, and of course, um, the, the competition's ongoing at the minute. And um, yesterday I was watching Ken, who beat Rodney, yeah. Rodney Goggins um, 4 3, and Darren Morgan won last night as well. He won 4 2 against Patrick Wallace. So it's, it's great to see um, the, these names from the past coming, and even tonight, um, Joe Stephen Henry plays Nigel Bond. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know that would be a good match, that, because Nigel Bond's still on the main tour. You know, he's still playing top-class snooker, and, and he's had some good results last year. So he, he's still playing good, and uh, I was watching him practice at Dings Academy yesterday, and uh, he, he seemed to be stroking the ball really, really well. Yeah. Although Stephen Hendry was playing playing there as well, and, you know, he was... He was playing well as well. So it's going to be an interesting game, that one. It is going to be an interesting one because uh, Nigel Bond, I always look at him as the, he's sort of a good example of um, a player down through the years that probably, you know, he could have maybe done a bit better because even in recent years, Nigel has uh, impressed me with, with some, of, some of his results. Like he's, he's one of them sort of dark horse players. He could upset any favourite. Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 quite capable, without a doubt. I mean, he got to the world final, didn't he? So, right. you know, you don't get to the world final without being a, a real special player. And, you know, he's yeah. he's, um, he's right up there. And believe me, he's one of the favourites for this tournament. Yeah, what I, I definitely would uh, would say that. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating watching, actually. Uh, Joe, on to last week's uh, World Championship, where uh, Ronnie clinched his sixth world crown and... For me, when you think of the greats like Ronnie is amongst them, it's fitting that he's now amongst the likes of uh, Ray Reardon and uh, and Steve Davis uh, on on six. And for for you, in terms of the greatest, where would you rank Ronnie? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right up there. You know, I always I always thought Steve, uh, Stephen Hendry was a little bit more consistent, if you like, and a bit more ruthless. Yes. Uh, there's there's no doubt in uh, Ronnie's ability. You know he's he's right up there as as far as uh, probably the best player that's ever lived that uh, in in talent. But I, I always thought Stephen Rendy was a little bit above him in, in match play, and uh, I'm sure somebody will probably tweet me or Facebook me and, <laughs> and say and and tell me that uh, you you know if you if you took the careers when Stephen retired. You know, yeah. the amount of century breaks he made in that amount of time. Because you, you can't help your eyesight going. And Stephen's eyesight 
when when he was fairly young. Yes. Um, and he, he couldn't he, he couldn't uh, get the same consistency that he, he used to have. So he retired, and you got to admire him for that. You know, instead of hanging on and hanging on like most of us do, I did. You know, uh, most people do. They, they hang on till the the you know the prize the fingers apart type of thing from the queue. But he, he retired, and he, as far as comparing him and, and Ronnie O'Sullivan, I think it's a very very close match. But I think Stephen just um, is in front of him as far as match playing consistency. Well, Stephen, for me, like it's a very, it's one of them things where you, the phrase comes in. Arguably, I don't think I think anybody could put an equal case for Stephen Hendry being a greater player than Ronnie O'Sullivan. It's, it's, you oh, know yeah. what I mean. It's definitely not clear cut either way. You know. No, 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 absolutely not. No, no. I mean, the 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 two fantastic players, but uh, it's definitely between them two, isn't it? But I hear what you're saying, though, in terms of what Stephen achieved in a short space of time. You know, he... Yeah, I mean, Stephen, Stephen won X amount of ranking tournaments when there was only between six and, and right. ten, ten tournaments. You know, had there been 20 tournaments like there is now, how many would he have won? I think he'd have won, I think, maybe in excess of 40, 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. And, and, yeah. and the thing is that when Stephen won his tournaments in the 90s, you had, you had Ronnie O'Sullivan at his best. Ken Doherty at his best, Steve Davis at his best, Mark Williams, yeah. Mark Williams at his best. There were all, Higgins, he, he had and yeah. Higgins. Yeah, he had so many players that were at his best, and he still won seven world titles. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. When 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 everybody was at the best. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, and and as far as tournaments go, you know, if had there been twenty tournaments when he was playing in the nineties. Oh, it, it would have been a lot more, I'm sure of it, a lot more. I definitely would agree with that. There's no doubt, and he would have won more. And uh, I have to commend yourself uh, and uh, Eurosports as well, Joe, for I was just saying yeah. to you off the recording there, I was saying to you how much I enjoyed the Eurosport coverage. And um, you were, you're with them now a number of years, and you were commentating. What venue exactly were you commentating from? Or Yeah, we were commentating from the studios in Chiswick. Right. So we was getting the live feed of, of the Crucible, and we're commentating from the TV screens, if you like. I see. But, Is the, it the, it's, yeah, from London in Chiswick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's it, there's full blown studios there, which are fantastic. And Eurosport, as you say, do a fantastic job. I know there's adverts after every frame, but it's only one minute. You know, while they're setting the balls up and the back. Yeah, the back as soon as the the frame's starting again. So, you, you know, the the coverage that Eurosport do live coverage on every ball is is really is really good. Yeah, impressive. And it, I have to say that's one thing I would think of when I when I think of Eurosport is is the coverage they do because you don't you don't miss a frame. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, you don't miss a frame. All live stuff, I, and that's what I used to like about the BBC a long time ago that they used to do live snooker all all day. Yes, you know, and then and then some at night time as well. It was, it was pretty good stuff, and they got great viewing figures. I mean, eighteen million watched Dennis Taylor, eighteen and a half million, you know, yeah. and and eighteen million watched my final. Funnily enough, well, I, it I would wasn't say... it wasn't quite as many as what Dennis was, but I was only like two hundred and fifty thousand shots, something like that. But it was eighteen million. So why would they stop? Why would they stop? Um, 
televising live snooker. I, I don't get it. It is sad because the BBC for me like was the was the home of snooker. You know, Carson have got some great commentators as well. Every every one of them, there isn't one I don't like. They're all great commentators. They are. And, and that, that, Most of them have won the world championship, you know. So that means a lot. And I, I actually, down through the years, would have always watched on BBC, as I say, they did. They had great coverage. But uh, yourself there, and David Hendon, and sort of Neil Foles, they're, you have a yeah. fantastic team there with Eurosport. And um, I look forward to what you have to to bring and the snooker calendar coming up as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, the the European Championship starts in September, so. The, it's all go again, hopefully, and hopefully we'll have some crowds there as well. Yeah, well, hopefully, because the, this pandemic is, uh, is is pretty rife at the moment, Joe. And how are you? How, yeah. how are you dealing with it, with it yourself? The whole pandemic. Yeah, well, we just got to keep ourselves, you know, um, to ourselves type of thing. You know, we don't mix with many people, and we don't go out much. You know, and where we do go, you know, we wear masks and things like that. You've got to do, haven't you? Because That's it. You, you you know you don't want to be catching anything like that. You know you might not survive it. No. I think so you, you know the, the advice to everybody is wear a mask when you're in public and you know try and try and reduce the amount of time that uh, you go to the places that uh, you don't need to. Well, I think ultimately, Joe, it's it's people that are going to be the deciding factor in how long this virus is around for. Because if we adhere. To what we're being told and sort of take the precautions, it definitely yeah. helps the, the, the how how long this will be around. You know, it'll decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. But uh, no, but uh, hopefully that we can. Can I, the vaccine will become available and um, in the, in the next sort of twelve months or within, whenever it happens, I hope that um, yeah. things can start to get back to normal. But just reflecting back on the world championship for a second, Joe. There were some great highlights in, in, the, in the tournament itself. Yeah, yeah, probably the best semi-final I've ever seen in my life. Oh, like you know, both semi-finals, you know, the, the one with, um, I've forgotten his name now. Um, Mark Selby and uh, Ronnie was one semi-final, and then uh, McGill, yeah, Anthony McGill. Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah, McGill and uh, Karen Wilson, probably the the best semi-final I've ever seen. Yes. It was so exciting, and, and for him to win it on a fluke, was uh, he, well, he, he was overcome with emotion. He didn't really want to win it that way. I don't think I've um, seen anything like that myself, Joe. That final for him. No, no, I know I haven't. In all the time I've been playing snooker, I've never seen a final frame as exciting as that. And I think it lasted about an hour as well. It was a bit like Dennis's uh, um, world final with Steve Steve Davis. You know, it's compelling viewing. It was that that final frame with Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor will live forever because you could watch that frame again. And Dennis knocked in some fantastic balls yes. right at the end of that match. You know, <laughs> the brown, blue, and pink. I you remember know, was, that. Uh, yes, I yeah, on YouTube. Watch it back. Unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, it's it's a, it's great for the sport when you consider it. Um, and you know, I, I really felt for Anthony McGill because forty points, I think it was. In fouls, yeah, 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 so that's, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that. yeah I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Anthony McGill will, will get back into the top sixteen at some stage. It's just he showed how good he is, you know, in that semi final. Yeah, well, not just the semi final, but all the way through. I mean, he come from eight two down against one of the players, you know. So Jimmy he, Clark, yeah, you know, yeah, he showed his fighting qualities without a doubt. You know, himself and Jimmy he, Clark, he, do, he doesn't, he doesn't give in. But as I say, you know, the both semi-finals, you, 
I mean, the one with Mark Selby and Ronnie O'Sullivan, you know, amazing, amazing um, excitement and and standard of snooker, you know, that it, it was just great to watch. It was great to watch, and I must say, I didn't, I'm going to be honest, when that, when that match was sort of uh, on the horizon, when both won their quarterfinals, I, I would have given, I would have given the nod to Selby as the favourite, you know. Yeah, yeah, because it, 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 um, Ronnie had never beaten him at the Crucible. Yes. So, you know, that made a big difference. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, if you've had a, got a good record against somebody, then it really helps uh, in the psychological battle that goes on. Well, Mark Selby had always beaten Ronnie O'Sullivan at the Crucible. I don't know if oh, everybody knows that fact, but um, although Ronnie's got the better of the head-to-head yes. at the Crucible, he's never beaten him. He's never beaten Mark Selby, so it's got to count for something, that. It does, and of course, Ronnie in 2014 lost to to Mark Selby in the world final, and uh, no doubt that was... That's right. That, that, that would have been yeah. playing in his mind too, but Ronnie played a more aggressive game against Mark Selby, and this time around, and what what really impressed me was, it wasn't the top Ronnie O'Sullivan we were seeing in terms of safety play, you know, yeah. but, he, yeah, really, yeah. but he, he really was very good amongst the balls, I think that's why he won this world championship. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, that uh, he, he had a different game plan, with Mark Selby, you know, I mean, he, he played safe when he had to play safe, but when there was an attacking opportunity, he always went on the attack. That's and right. I, I think, yeah, I think that um, that threw Mark Selby because he, he was expecting to dictate the game the way that he plays. Yeah, and that's... Uh, and it, it, it didn't quite happen that way. It put him off and... Um... At, at Ronnie got the better of him and got into the final end. But um, John Higgins as well, a one four seven was very special, Joe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It had everything, didn't it? That championship. It did. It you was know, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a one four seven and lost. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's sort of unheard of. And Kurt Mafflin played really well and showed what he could do. You know, Kurt Mafflin. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some great uh, players down the rankings as Kurt Mathlin showed and, and Anthony McGill. You know, they both showed how, how good the, yeah. the strength is in depth in snooker. Definitely. Because um, John Higgins played very well, you know. He, he played really well, but Kurt Mathlin just played a, a little bit better. It was yeah. like he was a seasoned top 16 player the way he was playing definitely and Kurt uh, uh, sorry I didn't actually fancy that he would pull off that against John Higgins but he kept that, his nose in front of him and, and, and saw the job out yeah. And um, yeah at the end of that match Tony I think John Higgins just got himself in front I think he went 11-10 up or something like that and we thought we thought, we thought oh well you know he's got him now but back he fought Kurt Mafflin full credit to him great championship and um Joe, I would like to give you a, 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 say a big thank you to to you for giving me your time this this morning. And, oh, that's all right. And, that's uh, all right. A, a, again, congratulations to yourself on being on a fantastic career and, and winning that world title in '86. Thank you very much, Tony. And that's, I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a privilege talking to you, Joe. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very Goodbye. much. Goodbye. 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 Well, folks, there you have it. That rounds up episode number 27 of the Time Out podcast, and I hope that you did enjoy it. Stay on the lookout for episode number 28, which will be coming up in the coming week or so. So until next time, take care and goodbye. 